Hello and welcome to the Sleep Teacher Pod, the podcast for all the parents out there who just want sleep. I'm Christy, owner of The Sleep Teacher, and I am joined by my colleague, Beth. If you are in the trenches of sleep deprivation, we see you, we feel you, and trust us, this podcast is going to become your new BFF. We want you to know that you can still be a lovingly attached parent and get good sleep. You don't have to choose between the two. So pop Bub in the carrier, grab yourself a coffee, put those headphones in, because we have all the sleep tips coming your way. Let's get napping, Mama. Hello, everybody. It is Christy and Beck. Happy Hello. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Still got champagne running through my veins. <laughs> well, this should be an interesting episode. <laughs> We've got drunk Beck. <laughs> oh She's much more happier. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm off to Japan in two days. I'm really happy. Oh, my gosh. I know. I know. It's tough. So exciting. <laughs> When are you sending me a suitcase to climb into so you can take me? <laughs> we tried this with Bali and you didn't pick me up, so that was I hard. Didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> um, but, yes, because I need you here to man the fort. But we're just doing two weeks in two different ski fields. So Nice one. Yeah, looking forward to it. Not looking forward to the four-hour stopover I've got in Taipei, but <laughs> that's fine. We'll be fine. 10-hour flight, then four-hour stopover, then another two-hour flight. The girls will be pretty good at flying now, though, right? Oh, they're, yeah, down, they're sweet. Down as long as yeah. they've got charge on their iPad, they're sweet. Mm. They actually sleep really well on the plane. It's just us that don't. Yes, yeah. that's right. Bit of well, I'm not too bad. I put my, like, tray table down and sleep on that. <laughs> They've got some very nifty little things now for your yeah. neck. and like Yeah, we've got neck pillows and stuff. but They're old school neck pillows. They've got, like, better things now. Have you looked into that? We had, like, these, like, inflatable ones as well, like, that you oh, could that use. Oh, that does not... That does not it's, seem comfortable at all. Inflatable pillows. No, it was like it has the beams, but then it's got another like level around the top that you can inflate this extra bit so you've got a little oh, extra right. support. Okay. But yeah, so it's got the beams and then it's got this little inflatable bit. But, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea what you're talking about. But anyway. I'll send you some. Yeah, I just have a wine, a couple of wines, and I put a movie on and I'll be fine. <laughs> Some Valium. <laughs> but, yes, I hope you all had a lovely Christmas and New Year. We are back with more episodes this year. We can't wait to, yeah. Hitting the ground running with newborns. We really are. Yeah, we're here. Well, you've spoiler alert. We're here to chat newborns today. <laughs> um, yeah, so everything from what to expect, what's normal, what's not, and things you can do to lay foundations early on to make it a little easier down the track. But look, newborns and themselves, as you'll find out from this episode, they're going to do what they're going to do. <laughs> and yeah. Did I ever tell you like Billy was a very good baby, but he was like amazing as in like feed, sleep, wake up, feed, sleep. And I was like, oh, this is great. Like this is from like day one. And turns out he had jaundice. <laughs> Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> so he was admitted at like two weeks old. He looks so big in Niku because obviously they've You're got like, he the... really doesn't have my complexion. No, and <laughs> where did he? First baby, no clue. Like 
he's so orange in the photos yeah. I look back in now and I just had no idea. And I remember the midwife for like the second checkup came in and was like, well, yeah. <laughs> like so took I photos, <laughs> sent it to my pediatrician and yeah, I was in the hospital that day. So yeah, for like double therapy lights. <laughs> I had that with Hattie. I had to do nine nights in there. Like it was with that. It was. Oh yeah. yeah. And I jaundice. just, all my boys, three boys were under lights for jaundice. Like mm. it's just, what is that? What even is that? (laughs) So by the third, I was clocked on and I didn't leave the hospital. I was like, he's going to need light. So can we just get this done? (laughs) Yeah. Let's rip the bandaid off. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But they really are like, they're such a big variance in newborns as well. But I think there's definitely foundations you can sort of have in place to help make that whole period a little bit easier. And we're going to go through them all for you. So yeah. Stay in, listen on, and um, yeah, hopefully for any of you who have a newborn or are planning on having more or expecting, it might just help to give you some tools to navigate that period of, you know, that fourth trimester. That Fun times. Good, good It really is. It really is, though. Once they Mm. start moving, it's the next level. It's just overwhelming and exhausting in that sense because everything's potentially new, but everything just takes a long time. Like dressing them takes a long time. Feeding them takes a long time. You potentially have... Settling them to sleep takes a long time. Yeah, like (laughs) it's just emotionally, I think, exhausting. It is when you then get out of it and you look back and you're like, it was actually a beautiful time. (laughs) Beautifully exhausting, but yeah. They don't talk back to you with the attitude. Mm, They Mm. smell so good, don't they? Anyway, we better not talk about it anymore because I don't want Beck going off and having a fourth child on me. (laughs) So let's get into it. So I guess one of the big things we see a lot, and we talk about this in our newborn course as well, because it is a huge one. Like parents always want to know, when can I get on a routine? Is two weeks too early? Three weeks too early? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> in, in short, hell yes. Very, very much so. Honestly, every night's going to look a little different. And that's okay. Like, honestly, do not stress in those first few like weeks or months about any sort of routine. Just have some sort of routine in place that is going to work for you. And I don't mean like nap schedules. I just mean like a routine in terms of your day. Like a flow. Yeah, because naps are going to look very different. And I think at this age as well, you often tend to have a lot of naps sort of in the carrier or in the pram or the capsule and things like that. So there's a lot of... Yes, (laughs) exactly. Feeding is tiring work. (laughs) So routine sort of doesn't start to feel a bit more consistent until around that 12-week mark. And even then, it's very loose. Very loose, Mm. especially because you're like on the cusp of that regression as such and the sleep cycle's maturing. So you're going to start to see a little bit more catnapping. So whereas previously your baby would have done longer stretches, they're going to start, yeah, catnaps of a day, which we have got a whole nother episode on the four-month regression for anyone going through that. But for now, the best thing you can do, honestly, and I say this to all of our parents and in our newborn course, watch your little one's awake windows and you'll start to feel a bit of a rhythm forming with that. But if you can watch their awake windows and put them down within in that period, you're going to find they're not going to become as overtired. They're not going to fight. They're not going to become like fight the sleep. They're not going to become fussy. And that will also then complement night sleep. Mm. I think 
the biggest thing in the first 12 weeks as well, and especially that first six weeks. It's just like learning how to be a mum and what that looks like, establishing your feeding. So if you're breastfeeding, like that in itself is such a learning curve. Oh my gosh. I honestly found establishing breastfeeding and just sort of maintaining it honestly harder than giving birth. (laughs) Yes, it is. Once I sort of got it, it was okay, but it was honestly like persevering through those first six weeks. And sometimes like I was in the position where I was like, do you know what? Is this all too hard? Do I just try a bottle? Because it felt like that. That was the most tiring, not only like that pressure of, oh, maybe I just shouldn't offer a bottle. Like breast is best. That was a lot of pressure, but you know, I was learning myself and I was exhausted and hormonal. Mm. There is a lot of pressure as well from like everything you're seeing in social media. And if you're trying to get a routine when you're just come home, it's just impossible. And you, you know, you are probably going to set yourself up to fail and think that there's something wrong with your baby. And it's Mm. just not the case. You really need to lighten the load on yourself. They just want to be close to you in that fourth trimester that we talk about, you know, skin on skin, all that sort of stuff, it really does help alleviate that crying where if you can just be banging your head against the wall to be like, you're fed, you're warm, your nappy's dry, put you in the bassinet, you're still not sleeping. I think if you can just not worry about, oh my God, my baby's going to only be able to sleep on me or the boob or the bottle or whatever. There is so much time to create change once they're out of this really special time that it can be, and it can be really hard as well, but trying to take that pressure off with a routine and things can only help (laughs) in that time. Absolutely. And I think that's the thing, like they only know what they know and they've been inside the womb for that, you know, approximately nine months. Hopefully close to nine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That is all they know and it's familiar to them. So trying to just sort of replicate that and recreate that environment will really help. And when you have got that witching hour and that overtired baby at the end of the day, which, you know, it's bound to happen, just try to remove that stimulation, try to, you know, turn off the TV, dim the lights, pop on some white noise and have some skin to skin. Really just try to remove any stimulation because if you're getting anxious and stressed yourself, your baby is going to sense that. So try to create that calm environment for yourself. And I know like for anyone that is going through it with a toddler or something, it's hard. But if you are listening and you're a first time mom, that's usually my suggestion is yeah. just trying to calm yourself and it will help your little one as well. Water always helps as well, I find. If it's just mm. not happening, just going into a nice warm shower, skin on skin, yeah, skin off a feed or a bottle, whatever it is, that can sometimes help sort of rejig and reset everything. Yeah. But yes, it's... Yeah. I always found too with my girls, I could have them swaddled and I could pop the back of their head, not covering their face, but the back of their head under some running water, like under the tap. And it was just some warm running water down the back. And it was so nice and calming, like it would instantly calm them down. Mm. But yeah, it is super important to try to calm yourself down as well. Mm. So I guess that goes into the next one, like we touched on just briefly, like can you create bad, in quotation marks, (laughs) habits for newborns early on? And like, no. (laughs) 
You just can't. Habits aren't bad. No. They're just some of them become unsustainable yeah. later on. It'll work until it doesn't work anymore. So don't stress about that. I really do feel you have to do what works for you in those early days. And at some point in time, you're going to get to the point where you're like, okay, this isn't going to work anymore. Regardless of what you've done when they're a newborn, you're going to have that go, okay, yep, this is working or no, it's not. So don't stress about it in those early days because there's so much pressure on you in other, you know, factors. So don't worry about that. And just like anyone, if we keep doing just one thing from day one, that is what they really, really enjoy. And they like that. So a little hot tip might be try and differ your settling methods. Don't just do one thing like the exercise ball, bouncing, 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 like try settling with some rocking or some padding or some shushing or Mm. in the carrier, in the pram, in the car, just try and switch it up. So your baby is exposed to different settling methods. So it's not just one thing by you that is the only way that they can with somewhat ease settle and try and get your partner to where they can do some settling. So they're used to that as well, you know, when they're at home, if they can. And that's helpful when we talk about layering those associations where it might be a pad and a shush and a rock, so not just the mum. And that's why, especially post six weeks, when they're a bit more awake and they're not feeding and sleeping sort of at the same time because their awake windows widen out a little bit. So that can be helpful as well to keep a little bit in the back Mm. of your mind. And just try, like give them the benefit of the doubt. Just set the scene, swaddle them, pop the white noise on, make sure they're fed and their awake windows are right and pop them down and just sort of take a step back and have a look and see what they do. If they start to fuss, then by all means, help and assist them and pick them up. But at this age, they don't know any difference. They're used to putting themselves to sleep inside. Mm. So just give them the chance and see what they do. And you never know, like nine times out of 10, they'll probably do it if all that lead up sort of falls into place. Yeah. The magic has to align. (laughs) Yeah. You definitely can. And even in the cot settling is great or in the bassinet. So even if you can pop them down and help them rather than having to transfer. Some nice padding. Yeah. So that's always side settling. And obviously. We've got some great reels on that actually on our Instagram page as well. Yeah. Obviously always popping them back on their back, but there's different ways that you can definitely help yourself because a lot of the time we get a newborn to sleep. And if we then need to go to the toilet or something like we try to transfer them and they hit the bassinet or the cord and they're like, hi, I'm awake now. So Mm. it can always just be more helpful if you can settle them in the bassinet if you're at home or whatever. And then you don't need to transfer them then because they're already asleep. (laughs) So that's good. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. And hot tip too, if you are going to try and transfer a sleeping baby, try to do it in that sort of first eight to 10 minutes of them being asleep because that's sort of usually when they're in their deepest phase of sleep. And always transfer feet first. Mm -hmm. Stop that. (laughs) Otherwise, you'll activate that startle Mm. reflex and game over. Yeah. I think we've got a reel on that too, don't we, Christy? We do, yeah. yeah. Got all the reels. (laughs) (laughs) Another one actually was the awake window for a newborn. And because a newborn is obviously between that sort of, you know, zero to 12 weeks, there is a big variance. But roughly, you know, by 12 weeks, we aim to sort of get to 90 minutes. But at the start, it's going to be a lot less. Like you're going to be looking around 45, 60 minutes. It's not going to be long. And even then you're probably going to be at a struggle to get them to that. And a lot of people are like, does that include the feed? Like, yeah, that 45 to 60 minutes is wake up, feed them, 
change them, have like five minutes of like, oh my God, I love you so much. And then we're like settling again. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a lot. And you can see if you miss that window with a newborn, they are like screaming at you and it does go super quick. And your day is just like basically settling, feeding, changing in that first little Mm. bit. But as they get older, they can tolerate more awake time. So it does ease up a little bit and you can spend a little bit more time with them awake and happy. And yeah, that 45 to 60 is sort of what we tend to see. But again, like there's a bit of a variance there. Some newborns might be okay with just a little bit over, but most of them are just before that hour mark. Yeah, definitely. And it will feel like by the time you've done all that and got them back down and settled them, that it's almost time for them to get up and have another feed. And it definitely feels like that for those first few weeks. And I think sometimes, especially when it's all new and exciting, we tend to miss those early cues that they're giving us, like looking away, starting to get a little bit more vocal, which to us is like, oh, that's so cute. They're talking. Mm. That's actually, okay, I'm getting a little bit irritated (laughs) and I'm getting tired. That's the sign to like wrap me up but most most of the time it's like <laughs> passing around and like here look there so that's when it starts of lots of stimulation and yeah. then they're just yeah very difficult to settle <laughs> oh yes mm. <laughs> and it's probably going to stay around that 45 to 60 minutes for those first few weeks and then probably closer to sort of six, seven, eight weeks, it'll start to increase a little bit more and it'll stay fairly consistent. Like the goal is to get roughly around 90 minutes by then to start to look at encouraging sort of longer naps. But it, yeah, it's all a guide, a loose guide and just something to sort of loosely try to use to avoid that overtiredness kicking in. Mm. And whatever your normal is, just like slowly keep adding to that time. So if you start off with 45 minutes over the couple of weeks, just add five minutes on each week or whatever. So you kind of want to stay ahead of that so they don't end up really resisting naps and things like that because it's just probably that they need a little bit more awake time to build up some more sleep pressure for them. Yeah. So I think too, like you were just touching on resisting naps, a lot of newborn sleep is, I guess, encouraged and complemented by their sleep environment and making sure those things line up. So one thing we hear so commonly is my baby hates to be swaddled. And I get it, like I really do, but more often than not, when we go to try to swaddle our little ones, they're already overtired and their arms are flailing. They can't control that morrow or startle reflex. They don't have that control yet. So the more they're flailing, the more they're getting upset and it can look like they don't like that swaddle, but I would definitely encourage you to try to stick it out. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to make encouraging longer stretches of sleep a lot easier for you as well because that startle reflex is going to hang around till closer to sort of 16 weeks. Mm. And another little thing we hear is my baby just hates sleep, you know, won't nap and all that sort of thing. Just really be aware of is your baby actually awake in their awake window or are they sort of having multiple feeds and quite drowsy and sleepy on those feeds? Because if you're sort of clock watching of like, okay, I've got an hour, but your newborn has been on the breast or the bottle a lot of that time, or just in your arms sucking on a dummy, quite chill, they're probably not building that lovely sleep pressure that we would like and then not feeling very tired at the mm. end of that hour. Which I will also be. add, snoozes on the boob and breast and bottle. They happen so easy, like so easily. It is tiring work and that sucking naturally like activates and they easily fall asleep and it becomes quite comforting for them. So 
So it can be quite hard to avoid, but yeah, just trying to ensure that they're not getting that little power nap on the feed and then you're then aiming to try to put them down. Like 10 minutes later. And not taking into consideration that they've had that little snooze because it definitely does zap their sleep tank. That does improve, like I said earlier, like, you know, in that first six weeks, it's quite common. And then after that, they can be awake for a little bit longer and they're a bit more alert on the feed and things. Mm. So you can start to really zoom in on that a little bit better. I think that's how we also start to form that pattern of just feeding to sleep and that's all they know because it works and it's so effective. And then it's just like, okay, well, that works. And then all the feeds start to align around when they're going to go to bed because that's just sort of how it pans out. And look, honestly, if that works for you and you're happy to do that or you want to do that, then by all means. But if not, then just like Beck said earlier, do that 50% of the time, but the other times try and have other naps and get them to sleep in other ways, whether it be the carrier or some padding and shushing, just to mix it up mm-hmm. and ensure that it doesn't become something that that's what they rely on and the only thing they know. Yeah. And then in terms of sleep environment as well, um, we were talking about before, like just mimicking those environments, those sensations of the womb. So the white noise is super effective. Silence can actually be quite irritating for newborns when they're used to being in the womb with that blood flow. It's really loud. And then, yeah, the swaddle. And then one of the questions actually came through was, does my baby have to sleep in a dark room? Doesn't that encourage day and night confusion? So I wouldn't stress too much about it in those first few weeks, but definitely like it is one of those things that your baby's going to start producing their own sleep hormones eventually and sleep hormones are produced far more readily in the dark. So that's where we would encourage you to have naps in the dark. But day and night confusion isn't going to happen if you wake your baby up. So if you ensure they're not napping for like a six-hour stretch um, in the day, because as much as that, it's great for us, it's also going to mean that they're essentially probably skipping a couple of feeds here and there in that six hours or so. And they're also then taking out of their night sleep. So personally, I'd probably rather my baby sleep more at night than over day, but you know, each to their own. But yeah, I think if you can <laughs> ensure that you are capping those naps and waking them after certain periods, so like, yeah, like they don't miss feeds, et cetera, your baby's not going to get confused with day and night. Mm. And this is a bit of a don't wake a sleeping baby, that sort of thing, but we do like to manipulate their days. And that's why having a dark room doesn't matter in the daytime because then we wake them up, open the blinds, expose them to that light. So that's where their circadian rhythm is like, okay, cool. And now mummy's talking to me and playing with me. And we don't do that at nighttime though. Like if they wake, we have a nice Mm. little feed in the dark and then we pop them back into their cot. That's sort of what is helping them establish day and night, Mm. what we do and how we interact with them as well. So, But when it's daytime and you're freeing those fees and things, you're talking to them and you're engaging and it's nice and bright and it just helps to set that scene early on. And the same, like I think it's always good too in the mornings, just when you go in to get them up, go in and open the blinds and hello, like, you know, really like that elaborate wake up, really let them know that, okay, mummy's here because it's time to get up. As opposed to obviously when you're going in in the night to either feed or resettle, you're not going to be like, oh, you know, chatting and and (laughs) going to just go in really quite boringly and (laughs) eyes hanging out your head, (laughs) hoping that it's just a quick feed and they're back to sleep. Mm. So yeah, just all these sort of things are just setting the scenes and laying the foundations for hopefully some sustainable sleep patterns later on. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think that in terms of newborns, like we said, it is only essentially those first few weeks where you're both learning. It's all new to both of you, but 
just really nurture it and go easy on yourself because, yeah, there's a lot to take on and you don't need to feel pressured to do what anyone else is doing, run your own race. It's really important. And if you want to sort of set a lot of boundaries with visitors and things like that, that's all okay as well. Just do what's going to make your life a little bit lighter and a little bit easier. Mm, Yes, definitely. Maybe have a chat about what expectations you have for like the house load in those first three or four They need to go back and listen to our episode with... The dad? No, oh. sharing the load with our relationship counsellor. Oh. We'll go back and have a listen yes. to that one as well. Yes, for sure. So that's a good one. Yep. She has some great pointers. <laughs> um, yeah. We are going to wrap this one up now, but thank you for listening, guys. As always, keep your suggestions coming through for episodes. Yeah, we love seeing them, and thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of the Sleep Teacher Pod. We hope you've walked away feeling just that little bit more at ease with your parenting journey. Please remember, nothing is a problem until it actually becomes a problem for you and your family. If you've enjoyed our company today, we would love if you could please subscribe or leave a review, or maybe even both. But if you are wanting more sleep tips right away, use the link in the show notes to find out how you can get started with one of our amazing sleep consultants and follow us over on Instagram at The Sleep Teacher. We can't wait to be back in your ears next week with more sleep tips. Nighty night.